Welcome to the Shannon Plan. This is episode Demetrius Flanagan Foles, also known as number 45. My name is Kyle Posey. I am not joined by my usual co-host. I am joined by another familiar name, Rob Guerrero. Rob, what's up, man? What's going on, KP? Thanks for letting me pinch hit, as always. No problem. How was your Father's Day weekend, man? What'd you do? Father's Day weekend was good. We did the double dip, went to the in-laws, then went to my mom's. Uh, got a lot of nice presents. A lot of a lot of my presents were food themed, which I am 100% okay with. Yeah, there's nothing wrong with food. What? So what was one example of what you got? My wife got me like this giant charcuterie board with like meats and cheeses and grapes and stuff. And I like basically we've been eating that for like three days straight. That's a win. There's no issues with that at all. All right. Well, we are here to talk about what the 49ers have done in the past week because they always give us something, even if it is the end of June. So we are going to talk about Brian Baldinger and what he did, what he said about Javon Kinlaw, essentially made a love letter video. And Baldy (laughs) is one of the best analysis in the game. I wish he was on TV more. But did you get a chance to see the video of him breaking down Javon Kinlaw? 100%. And it was one of those things where like, I hadn't been thinking about it. And then you see the video and like, I was all pumped up, like excited, like this could really everything he's saying in the video could come true. Kinlaw could take a nice step forward this year without like making some giant leap, just the normal kind of NFL development curve. Yeah, the, the year, the jump you take from year one to year two is typically the biggest jump that you'll take throughout your career. Obviously, there are outliers where guys or veterans, you know, come out of nowhere in their 30s, but usually early on in your career, you'll be able to tell if somebody is the real deal or not. And one of the things that I told you before we kicked off was part of me thinks the reason that the 49ers, you know, were able to move multiple first round picks to Trey Lance is they're betting on Javon Kinlaw panning out and turning into the real deal. And with Nick Bosa coming back, and they have Samson Ebicom on the other side, Eric Armstead next to him full time in passing situations. Hopefully, there won't be a lot of excuses for Kinlaw to not play well. I think he will. I'm interested to see, you know, the type of step that he takes. Is he going to take, you know, the Warren Sapp, great, crazy player who and John John Lynch actually even mentioned his name before, where, you know, these guys, defensive tackles especially, they're not the guys that usually come in and um, set the world on fire to start the season. There, There's gradual increase, and eventually you'll see that. So I guess the real question is, how big of a jump do you think Kinlaw takes, and will it be you know, more of a slow learning curve? I think he's going to take a pretty big jump because of the two things you mentioned. One, it's year two. He's, you know, just, he's got a year under his belt. He's got that experience. He knows what to expect. But also, it hopefully is more of a normal offseason, normal preseason for him now with the vaccine and everything with COVID. I think that'll be a big jump. And then, like you mentioned, the guys around him are so much better, and hopefully he'll have so much more consistency there that, I mean, he's not getting double teamed ever on that right. defensive line. And if you take a guy in the first round, early in the first round, where the 49ers took Javon Kinlaw, he better be able to beat single blockers. Like, sorry, not every snap, obviously, but more consistently than he has. So all those things combine, and I think we're going to see a better Javon Kinlaw in 2021. One of the reasons that I feel like the team didn't invest heavily in their secondary, and obviously they drafted a safety and two cornerbacks, but those were day three picks. That was because their investments in the defensive line have to step it up, and that includes, namely, Kinlaw. So if he 
you know, plays like the player that we think he's going to be. Because remember, this is a guy who dominated the SEC. This is a guy who was throwing offensive linemen at Alabama out of the way <laughs> left and right. So if he can do that at the NFL level, then the secondary will take, you know, life will be easier for the Jason Verrett's of the world. Speaking of, segue, segue, Jason Verrett on Tuesday lobbied for the 49ers to sign Melvin Ingram, his former teammate on the Chargers. As you know, so we just talked about Samson Ebicom. He's never rushed the passer full-time in his career. Eric Armstead is best when he has to kick inside and can rush from a defensive tackle. Nobody knows what's going to happen with D Ford. Melvin Ingram is still out there. He is a very, very productive player, always has been. He's battled some injuries um, throughout his career. But if anything, he'll fit right in, baby. <laughs> Bring him on. Uh, I, there's a reason he is still available. I don't know what that reason is, but he's a talented player, and I'm always team sign the good players. So um, the 49ers have a need. I don't know what the financials are, like what Melvin Ingram is he maybe asking for double-digit millions, and that's why he's unsigned. But I'd be all for it, man, just because, again, he's a good player. He will help guys out, and he's kind of exactly what the 49ers want as far as a guy who's versatile, can do a bunch of different things along the defensive line. If you're the Niners, just keep adding guys to the pile. Like, at some point, guys are going to get hurt with the makeup of your defense. So if you've got more guys that you can come in as reinforcements, that's how you're going to get through this thing more than likely. I mean, sure, you could just hope that everybody stays healthy, but chances are that's not what's going to happen. So if Abukum plays for a few games, gets hurt, goes out, great. Well, maybe we've got Ingram that can last, even if he only has to last for a couple of games. Great. Or D Ford can last for a game. You know, if you have the reinforcements that you can throw at this thing, you're going to be better for it. And let's be honest. I mean, we've seen Ingram thrive with another great pass rusher on the other side of him because he had he had Joey Bosa with the Chargers. So I think it's definitely worth it for the 49ers. I don't think it's going to cost a ton. And why wouldn't you at this point? Why not is the best question. So he has two seasons where he had double-digit sacks. And before 2020, the other years in his career, seven sacks, seven sacks, eight sacks. So he gets after the quarterback. And that's not even talking about, you know, how often he hits the quarterback and pressures a quarterback. So the 49ers can use a pass rusher. Every team in the NFL could use another pass rusher. 49ers did just have Jordan Willis suspended for six games. He probably wasn't going to be a guy that was going to, you know, be a game changer. But now you need another body. And there's a guy like Melvin Ingram who could probably be had for the low. And the theme this offseason has been sign a bunch of guys to one-year deals. So why not add Melvin Ingram to that list? Speaking of defensive linemen, Nick Bosa was named to the top 25 under 25. Did not play in 2020. So that (laughs) just kind of tells you how good his 2019 season was. Um, the other guys that they were talking about, this was NFL.com's list, by the way. Uh, PFF actually just came out with a ranking of their top 50, and Bosa was named number 27. So, yeah, this guy's pretty freaking good is the real conclusion to all of this. And he's going to be the real the real one who unlocks everything from the secondary to Ken Law to uh, Abukum, who I've been saying that wrong all along. I'm probably going to say that three different ways for the rest of the show. But, yeah, it just comes back to Bosa, man. Star player. They need him to stay healthy because you remember what it was like when he went down against the Jets? It's like the wind went out of the cell. Everybody knew, oh, there's the season. 
when a guy like that has that type of impact, you know he's the real deal. 100%. I said it at the time that the Super Bowl hopes died in New Jersey when Nick Bosa blew out his ACL. And he impacts the entire rest of the defense. And you mentioned it earlier, Kyle. Like, it's time for the 49ers investment on the defensive line to start paying off. If you go back and look, I think it's five out of the last seven years of drafts, the 49ers have taken a defensive lineman in the first round. You, When you invest that kind of capital in any position, it has to pay off for you or you're really going to put yourselves in a bad spot. And whether it's Armstead, Bosa, Kinlaw, these guys have to start producing and they all can't do that to their to fulfill their potential unless Nick Bosa is there on the edge because he sets up the rest of the blocking for the entire defensive front could not have said any more any better because when you're making these type of investments they're not just one-year investments you're not drafting a Nick Bosa to make only an impact on your defense for one year these are going to be for the next four and five years and beyond so by doubling tripling quadrupling down on these defensive linemen the 49ers are basically setting themselves up to be dominant up front but you have to stay healthy and it all comes back to your number two overall pick, Nick Bosa, a stud star, but he has to play on the field. The other guy who found himself in the top 25 under 25 list was Fred Warner, who any any time now um, is going to have a nice little pay bump from what he has been making. Uh, there isn't really much to say about Fred Warner that hasn't already been said how much better can he get? Like, what what can he do that he hasn't already accomplished? Because he's 24 years old, which is pretty freaking crazy, that I would feel pretty confident in saying that he's the best linebacker in the NFL, and he's not even out of his rookie contract yet. The only thing that he really hasn't done is rush the passer, but I feel like he hasn't really been asked to rush the passer because he's so damn good in coverage that you never want to take him out of that. I think we'll probably see that a little bit more this year with D'Amico Ryans. Supposedly, you know, he's going to be more aggressive. So maybe we see that out of Warner. But, I mean, he's he's fantastic. I mean, he is. I put him up there. He's right in there with the 49ers linebackers of Navarro Bowman and Patrick Willis. Like, he's in that tradition for San Francisco. And he's massively important, too, because beyond him, it's not like the 49ers are stacked at linebacker. So, you mentioned his his ability to rush the passer. He rushed the passer essentially double as much as he did in 2019. And usually when that happens, your numbers go down. So if you ignore his sack numbers, which is just volume and it depends on circumstance, he improved his hurry, hit, knockdown, and pressure percentage all in 2020. So uh, that's pretty impressive. And I would argue – this is this is just a, a big compliment for Warner, knowing how we just talked about how the 49ers have invested as much in their defensive linemen. Warner's still one of the best pass rushers on the team. So I don't know if that says more about the defensive line, Warner, or yeah. all of the above, but he's just a special player, man. Uh, one thing that we haven't really talked about, and it kind of flew under the radar because it happened over the weekend, but uh, NFL Network's Mike Garofolo said that he do I do believe at some point that we're going to see Trey Lance this season. So his whole quote was, uh, because everything I've heard in the spring is how impressive he's been. Now they're competing, and we're assuming that means Jimmy Grapple is playing well, but just look for Trey Lance. I know we talked about that he needs some time to sit and watch, and the thought is maybe he'd, he'd have a redshirt season. I'm not so sure. I'm not so sure that doesn't mean that they can't compete with Trey Lance, in quote. So 
Uh, what we heard initially, you know, he's going to need a redshirt season. He's going to have to sit, and he, Trey Lance is going to play with just these little packages and whatnot. Now, uh, after, <laughs> what, OTAs? Now he's ready to compete. Now he got all the install that was needed. Uh, they were saying that uh, Trey Lance, they were getting his mechanics ready so they can unleash the entire package. Uh, what what do you make of all this? Because there is going to be a quarterback competition. You know how I know that? Because Kyle Shanahan has said as much. <laughs> there's no gray area here. If Trey Lance is ready to play, he will play. I don't think there's any surprise. And there's not. That's not a hot take at all. Uh, but what what did you take from uh, Garofalo's comments? I don't understand. Like it's like there's a block on information coming from out of California to the rest of the country. It is so weird. So it was before the draft, right? It was Mac Jones, Mac Jones, Mac Jones. They're, that's who they're going to go after. And we're all sitting here screaming that it's not going to be Mac Jones and right. laying out with, with examples, quotes, and examples of things that have actually happened about why it's not going to be Mac Jones. And lo and behold, it wasn't Mac Jones. Now Lance gets drafted and it's he's going to sit, he's going to sit, going to sit. And now, like, again, the information is, like, on tape delay. It's taking time to get to these national people now who are now saying, well, you know, turns out maybe we will say. And all of us here are saying, no, <laughs> shit. What have we been screaming about forever? Like, th- it's it's odd to me that it seems to, like, be delayed. But clearly, that was always going to be the case. Kyle said it to Tim Kawakami on the podcast. Yeah, it would be hard for Trey to beat out Jimmy. But if he plays and he's good, he will. Team that traded multiple first round picks and moved up from number 12 to number three is probably not going to sit that investment on the bench all season. More to come at 10. What else? Come on, man. What like what are we doing here? Right. Kyle Shanahan, they said that he was drawing up plays after Justin Fields Pro Day for Trey Lance. Do you think that is a person that he wants to sit on the bench? I understand when they say they want to get his legs ready. Uh, they want to unleash the whole package. Sure, they're going to slow roll him, I imagine. But he's going to have every opportunity to play because why? There's, there's this assumption, and it always comes back to no rookie QB has ever run a Super Bowl. That is not the argument you think you're making because it, it's ignoring so much context. And you also are assuming that Jimmy was the reason that the 49ers made the Super Bowl. They're going to be competitive no matter what. They were competitive in a 6-10 and 10 season with Nick freaking Mullins playing quarterback. And they should have won a lot of those games, honestly. Just going off the top of my head, what game should they have won? Uh, Philly, early in the Philly. season. Um, <laughs> yep. Washington, late in the season. So there's two right there, and they're 8-8. Eight and eight. And then you can go down the line where Seattle, they were up week 17. And I can go on and on and on. They probably should have beaten Dallas. So they could have easily been over 500 with Nick Mullins as their starter. So to assume that that won't be the case with the number three overall draft pick is, is just a little too naive for me, man. Yeah, I mean, if they beat the Bills in week 13, they would have been 6-6. Six and six. Yeah. They would have been 500. Like, I remember going into that game. I was sitting there like, this is happening. It's coming together. They're going to hold it together until Jimmy comes back later in the year. If they beat Buffalo, they would have been 6-6. Six and six. And, you know, then they would have had Washington the week after, Dallas, Arizona, and Seattle to finish out the season. So I completely agree with that. There is definitely wins that were left out on the field for the 49ers last year. 
And I just can't imagine when you give up three first round picks like we talked about that the 49ers are going to keep Trey Lance on the sideline and essentially give up a first round pick this year. You know, like if, if he doesn't play, then you got nothing out of your first round pick this year and you'll have nothing out of the first round the next two years. That's just dumb. Yeah, you got to see how your investment plays. And that's what Miami kind of did with Tua last season. But it doesn't have to be these packages like people are suggesting. Just let him get a series, man. Let him play actual quarterback, the position, you know, that you drafted him to play. So uh, we'll see. We'll see how often, how early. I'm ready for training camp to get here. We got about a month to go uh, just so we can see how close Trey is right away. And then if he closes the gap, how soon he closed the gap. Is that going to happen, period? Um, that'll be enough quarterback talk for us because we're going to talk about that all the time. So we're going to take a quick break. And then when we come back, we're going to talk about the 49ers and their losing record since 2003. All right, we are back. So Warren Sharp of Sharp Football Stats tweeted just the history of teams during the past um, since 2003. So essentially 18 years, two decades, whatever you want to call it. So since then, the 49ers... Winning season since 2003, they are tied for the third fewest. Four. Four winning seasons since then. That is not good. And by saying that's not good, that's selling it short. But, Rob, do you remember the four seasons where they did win? Can you recall? Uh, yes, I can recall because in, a, in the, one of the weirdest stats of all time, it's every season they made the NFC Championship game. It's 2011, with first year of Jim Harbaugh. 2012, the year they made the Super Bowl. 2013, the year after that when they lost to Seattle. And 2019, when they got to the Super Bowl. It is the weirdest thing. The 49ers have largely been awful. You mentioned it, Kyle. They are tied with the Jags and the Lions for fewest winning seasons since 2003. That's the company they've kept. And yet, when they've been good... They've been really good. So in that same time, the Seahawks have had 14 winning seasons. Um, and it's not like the Rams and the Cardinals have just been kicking butt either. They only have one more winning season in that time frame than the 49ers. So the division has pretty much been dominated since Pete Carroll took over by Pete Carroll, who still has, you know, a, a bad rap for whatever reason. And, and I'm sure that's overblown and people don't feel like that in the actual NFL, but it's just funny that, you know, Kyle Shanahan and the 49ers continue to get uh, this credit that they really haven't done anything to build up. So I feel like if the, and I think that they are going to be good this year. And just because they have a lot of really good players on the team and they have good coaches, but Injuries are have not stopped, haven't slowed down, and there's no real reason for us to believe that they're going to slow down. But there's always every offseason we're going to do this, I imagine, especially since 19, since they made the Super Bowl, that, hey, just give them one more chance, just if they're healthy, if they're healthy, which uh, how many times are we going to keep giving them the benefit of the doubt? Because history would suggest 19 was an outlier and the other seasons are who the San Francisco 49ers really are. You have that's the only way you can look at it now. It's it's too many years to be a fluke. Even before Kyle Shanahan got here, the 49ers were having injury concerns and you just can't assume that things are going to go back to normal it like they were in 2019. I did the SB Nation NFL show today with Justice Mosqueda from Acme Packing Company and he had a good point. And his point when it came to injuries was basically 
you can most teams can sustain an injury, a single injury. The what kills you is injury clusters when guys get hurt at the same time. And that is really what crushed the 49ers last year. Nick Bosa and Solomon Thomas go down within like five plays of one another. You had guys at multiple positions going down at the same time. And to Kyle Shanahan's credit, he was sort of able to keep the ship afloat for at least for a little while longer. But that's what killed them. If the 49ers have, you know, a couple games this year without Debo Samuel, but Brandon Ayuk is there and George Kittle's there and Raheem Mostert's there, they'll be okay. It's can they avoid those injury clusters, those groups of guys going down at the same time, that I think is going to define the year. Yeah, what they can't have is Alex Barrett and Deion Jordan on the field when other offenses are trying to drive the field in a two-minute warning <laughs> because they don't have any bodies. Uh, that can't happen. And again, I don't know what the issue is because Kyle Shanahan's buddy, Sean McVay, and the Rams, since he's taken over, they've been one of the least injured teams in the NFL, second least, actually. So give your homie a call, ask him, what the heck are you doing that I'm not? And learn from him because something they're doing, whatever it is, is not working. And it always comes back to the injury. So I don't know if they're just practicing just too much physicality going on in practice or what. But whatever they're doing just needs to be tweaked. And it's not always, you know, it doesn't always have to be we need to fire everybody. But just tweak something small, figure that out. And I'm, and I'm saying this as if they're not, you know, turning over every rock. But whatever they're doing is not working. So maybe hire another search firm to figure it the heck out. Yeah, it's uh, it's been a problem for the Niners. And I think you've seen that they've tried to adjust. I think I saw a stat. The last two draft classes that they've brought in, the guys that they've picked have played, I think, like 90, over 90% of their potential college snaps. So I feel like that's something that I had brought up with Levin on our show is that like you can't keep investing on guys with injury histories that's why you see these continued injured injuries because injured guys get hurt. That's just the nature of the sport. So they're trying, I think, now to factor that in when they decide who they're going to add to the team. And hopefully it starts to pay off and that we do see the tide start to turn a little bit because they are bringing in guys who have less of an injury history. And it's easy to point out like Trey Sermon, for example, because you remember the last thing you remember about him was leaving Alabama early in the game because of an injury. And he does have an extensive injury history. And knowing that the 49ers running backs as a whole, Jeff Wilson already out for half the season, more than likely Uh, Raheem Mostert did not make it very long last year. So it's tough, but you think of the, the free agents that they signed prior to this season, they were taking swings on guys that really just, had no shot of staying healthy. And when you do that, you can't be surprised at the results. So it's nice to know that, you know, they're trending in the opposite direction, going with guys who are going to stay on the field, who you can actually coach up and develop because the only way players are going to get better is if they are on the field, which is why it's easy to be confident in a guy like Kinlaw because he's out there playing. Uh, He's not on the sidelines. He's not hurt. He doesn't have to have his – growth stunted because of that so uh yeah there there's a lot but it's it's always going to come back to these guys have to play and these guys have to be healthy and you talked about it early in the show too about how when you invest in a draft pick there is an effect that you're hoping for on your team for multiple years well that 
effect can hurt you in the case of a Reuben Foster. They pick Reuben Foster in the first round. He clearly doesn't work out. And what do the Niners have to do? They have to go to free agency to try and solve that need now. And let's be honest, guys don't become free agents unless they have some warts. And so they had to sign Quan Alexander. What was the problem with Quan? Long injury history. And what happened when he got to San Francisco? He got hurt. Like those are the effects that you're talking about when your draft picks don't work out. You have to turn to free agency and sometimes your only options are bad options. And that's kind of why I was a little concerned with this offseason, not investing more into the secondary. And again, we just talked about, you know, three secondary players drafted. But if you are relying on your day three picks to come in and contribute right away, you are doing something very wrong. And that hope is not more than likely not going to work out. Um, But again, obviously, you know, I want to see those guys ball out. But the hope is just hope. And that's all it is. Hope is not a plan like that is you can't that can't be your argument like, well, just let's let's hopefully everybody works out like (laughs) you're going to fail there. That's just blatantly obvious. Um, The other thing, KP, that I wanted to mention, because I saw this, um, I've got my favorite fantasy football magazine, fantasy football index for anyone out there. It's awesome. It's loaded with stats. It came in the mail yesterday and I, I go through with my highlighter and I pick everything and I go right to the 49ers. And the thing I see here and I think this is partially due to the injuries is that since Kyle Shanahan got the job in 2017, the 49ers are minus 35 in turnover ratio. That is the worst in the entire league. Now I think part of that is because you've got dudes like Nick Mullins and CJ Beathard turning the ball over because Jimmy's been hurt. But that's the other factor for this team, Kyle, is if they could just not turn it over at essentially Jameis Winston levels, they're going to be a hell of a lot better. Yeah, and honestly, that's part of the reason why Trey Lance was the pick, because he does not turn the ball over. Like, he is more of a safe pick, and that's why I call him a safe pick, because there are times in college where he would have an opportunity to make a play that would be in traffic, that would, you know, be a contested throw, and he's just holding that. He's eating those throws. Whereas Jimmy Garoppolo, and we cannot not talk about this, he does turn the ball over. So 13 interceptions in 2019, five interceptions last season. He does fumble the ball too. So he fumbled 10 times that season, lost six of them, fumbled once last year. Uh, Turnovers have been a big issue for him. And the 49ers have been able to win in spite of that. So the turnovers are easy to forget about. But I remember even blowing teams out in 2019, like the Carolina Panthers. He threw it right to Luke Kuechly. Um, <laughs> there are there are multiple games like that where he has those throws where he's throwing it right to a linebacker underneath, and you're like, where is this coming from? Like, why? What are you looking at? But the, I think the troubling part about that is it never really changed even into 2020. Yes, Jimmy had injuries, but that doesn't have anything to do with your decision-making, which is why it comes back to Trey Lance and – um, Garofalo, Mike Garofalo's comments were, it, it's going to be sooner than later uh, just because of all of that. Absolutely. And, and that has an effect too. Like if you want Nick Bosa to stay healthy this year, well, how about instead of turning the damn ball over and having Nick Bosa have to trot back out on the field, how about the 49ers drive extends another five, six, seven plays and takes up another two, three, four minutes of game time. Like all this stuff is connected. So you know, whether it's turnovers, health of guys, like it, it all goes into the pot. And 
if the 49ers can again just not be the worst in the league right. in like, 2017. Yeah. Yeah. Like, and that's multiple years, multiple quarterbacks. Like, I don't know what the issue is, but just don't be the worst at it. And the team is going to improve dramatically. Every team has starters who miss games every year. There's going to be a game where your starting defensive tackle misses a game. There's going to be a linebacker, a wide receiver who are out. There aren't teams who have multiple starters at the same position miss time. And that is what the 49ers have to find a way to tackle. Because if they do in 2021, there are not going to be a lot of losses in the column. But if they cannot outrun that, it'll be another fight to get to 500, fight to get to the playoffs, and then hope once you get in there, you can make some noise. But 2019 was kind of the perfect storm because everything came together and they were able to overcome those late season injuries and they had enough depth where they they were able to offset those injuries. So I think that's some of the plan. But they have a lot of younger guys who are going to have to step up if they do suffer from injuries. And that would be one of, you know, one of the biggest worries. It's so weird that the, the 49ers could be two totally different teams this year. They could easily be 6-11 and 11, or they could easily be 11-6. and six. It's all going to depend on that. And, like, if you look at on Niners Nation right now, there's a post about odds when it comes to the 49ers, and these are from DraftKings. And, like, the 49ers are way up there in all these categories. Super Bowl winner. There are five teams ahead of the 49ers. And they're all really good teams. Chiefs, Bucks, Bills, Rams, Ravens, and then the 49ers ahead of the Cleveland Browns and ahead of the Green Bay Packers who have gone 26 and 6 over the last two seasons and made two straight championship games. And look, I know the Aaron Rodgers thing, but like the Niners are up there in all of these odds. They have the third best odds to win the NFC. Like that's the potential that's there. And that's what Vegas is also hoping you spend your money on. Right, but like right. that just illustrates that the two different ways that this season can go. Is that a sucker bet? Man. So right now in the NFC winner, the Niners are plus 625. So if you don't know, that means if you bet $100, you win $625. They do have one of the easiest schedules in the league. I mean, at Which that number, matter. yeah, like plus 625 I don't know I think I don't think it's a sucker bet I kind of I kind of like that I think there's value there you what do you think about so you said that they were division lead like favorites to win the NFC West yes they are number one they are plus 185 so win 185 if you bet 100 the Rams are second at plus 190 and the Seahawks the defending NFC West champions I remind you are plus 275. That's the value to me if I was going to bet on on that particular bet. So if you have been following along on Niners Nation's podcast channel, Niners Nate on Tuesday, he's been breaking down the NFC West. Um, to me, this is pretty simple. The Rams upgraded the most at the most important position and had the fewest changes outside of that. So they should be the favorites, 185 to 190, like plus 185 to 190. I'm not so sure how – I don't know how you calculate that. I don't know based on what we've seen in the past couple of years, the injury history, one team doesn't get hurt. Like The Rams just don't lose people. How many times do you hear about their star players missing games compared to the 49ers? Because of that, that is why I think they should be the clear favorite. So I would put the Rams at plus 150, and I would put the 49ers at like plus 250. So it's it's surprising to me, but this is – the Kyle Shanahan bump, I feel like. And I don't know if that's going to go anywhere anytime soon. 
I don't know. Like it's it's tough for me to to see where they're coming from because if you look at the roster, there are a ton of great players, and you understand where they're coming from. But it just doesn't happen consistently enough to put them as a leader. So yeah, uh, I lean towards the division being a sucker bet. I do think there is value in plus six twenty five as far as you know winning it all because you just throw some change at that, and if they if they win it, you look great. But as far as the division goes. That is not great value at all. And, yeah, I, I would say Seattle is probably the, the best value in terms of winning the NFC West. The only thing I could think of with the Rams and the Niners odds being the way they are is maybe they're looking at it and they're saying the Rams are going to have to play a tougher schedule and it might come down to division games. And the 49ers always seem to beat the Rams. It, it, some Despite all the injuries that they've had, they haven't lost to the Rams in two years Maybe that went into their thinking a little bit, but like you said, the Rams have significantly upgraded at quarterbacks, so maybe that all just goes out the window. And Jerry Goff ain't walking through that door, man. And <laughs> that was like he he was not good in any of the games they play. He's severely limited. Like we talk, we give Jimmy G a bunch of crap how he limits and handcuffs the 49ers offense. What he does compared to what Goff did to the Rams is just not comparable at all. So yeah, just looking at their schedule. They should beat the Lions. They should beat the Eagles. The 49ers, when they're healthy, they generally do beat up on the Packers. Um, the Seahawks, coin flip, they should beat the Cardinals. I mean, you just go down the line. They're going to be favorites in most of these games, which is why, again, it, it makes sense why you would tease the 49ers like this. But, I mean, how, how many times do the 49ers go into a game and they're supposed to win or they're supposed to blow them out and the game goes nothing like you you would expect, so <laughs> – uh, not with this team, man. That's just not how it works. It's not by the book at all. Turnovers, man. That's what swings those games. The games that you should win when you're in the second and third quarter and you find out that, oh my God, this is a game. The reason is because you turn the damn ball over. Saw the same thing against the Eagles and Carson Wentz last year. I mean, the interception that Mullins throws, I, <laughs> I can't even remember the damn linebacker's name, but my God, it was right to him and it's just time and time and time again that's the great equalizer and Kyle knows it and there's a reason they only threw eight passes in the NFC championship game in 2019 and it's just can they limit it whoever starts a quarterback and I don't even like at this point I don't care I would say whoever starts a quarterback you got to have if you were at like 13 turnovers on the year combined interception fumbles I think that's sort of the line for the 49ers any more than that, and you start to, I start to really worry about what what their season's going to look like. So, are you? Do you think? And is that does that include fumbles lost or just fumbles in general? Fumbles lost, yeah. So Jimmy had twenty in nineteen, and they they were pretty successful. But again, they're not going to be blowing teams out like they were in nineteen. So it, the leeway, the leash to have that type of reckless play that's not going to be there and I know we just talk about the easy schedule but football doesn't work like that man you just can't expect to go into it into an NFL game and win by two touchdowns so you have that room for error so uh 13 feels low even for Trey Lance I feel like it would feel, feel low because yes he's not as much of a risk taker um and risk taker is kind of being kind with Jimmy's style of play but uh I would imagine that there are more than 13 turnovers in general, because if they do hit that number, they're not going to lose very often at all this season. So what, what do you think is the, like the number where you would start to worry? Um, 
Good question because I again it's I go back I just wa- I'm waffling all over the place here because <laughs> there is no like look I have the schedule pulled up in front of me and there's really no reason that you when you said 11 and 6 if they go 11 and 6 and remain healthy all year then they underperformed in my opinion then they were pretty much playing down to the competition and there were turnovers and there were mistakes. And that's going to happen with Trey Lance and Jimmy in like, that's going to happen with any quarterback and any team. But um, some of those turnovers that they make that Jimmy specifically makes, there's no excuse for them. And we know that they're going to happen though. That's another thing. And more than once a game is a problem. So 17 games, we'll just say a turnover, averaging a turnover a game is an issue. So I'll say 17 to 20. Man, I, I think if it's 20, they're screwed. Oh, yeah. One a game, <laughs> I think they can they can deal with. But like, because the defense bailed the 49ers out a lot in 2019 when they would turn the ball over. Often. A lot. Either stopping teams or holding them to field goals if the turnover was, you know, at the wrong side of the field. They bailed the 49ers out big time I don't know they're going to be able to rely on that as much this year so I don't think they can even turn the ball over as much as they did in 2019 and have as much success as they did you don't have to go far into the 2019 schedule to see the defense bailing out the 49ers remember week one Jimmy threw a pick six in that game the 49ers had two pick sixes to counter that when does that happen in football like those (laughs) are the those are the type of breaks that they got so yeah it's a good point uh, if they're if they're getting to twenty, then uh, we there's some explaining to do. That's for sure. Yes, and again, hopefully that doesn't happen, regardless of who plays quarterback. But that to me, like there are certain things you can zero in on to determine what how this team is going to look this year. Health and turnovers are probably the two biggest, for sure. All right, I think we I think that'll do it for us. Uh, we, we pretty much hit on every news item that has been in the 49ers direction this past week. So, um, Rob, what are what can we follow you on the Twitters? On the Twitters, on Instagram, doesn't matter. At Stats on Fire, I am there for the arguments, as I always say. Yes, um, been taking a little little break from the internet's my way, so um, it's time to unplug. It's the off season. Don't really want to just be talking to talk, so I like to go outside and get away from football now that it's not away. So you cannot follow me. Don't ask. <laughs> um, please, though, rate, subscribe, review Apple, wherever it is that you get your podcast feeds. Please and thank you as always for listening.